we all know how broken we are and we we know that you know how broken we are and so we just cry out to you to come and save us from ourselves deliver us from evil work in us today so that we can align our hearts to you and your word and your will in Jesus powerful name we pray amen I will, um, as I get started today, I want you just to know that um, I take no pleasure in delivering this message today. Um, The only pleasure I take in it is that it's a privilege for me to bring the word to you today, but um, I have wept two different times in my office preparing this this week. And I also want you to know that I am not, there are going to be times today that I'm going to sound like a prophet. I'm going to come to you as a prophet. And it's going to feel more like, thus saith the Lord in your face judgment, than it's going to feel shepherdish. Is that even a word? Um, And yet there's the shepherd part of me that is broken over this for myself, for you, but for the church of Jesus Christ. And um, so I speak to you today, not um, over you, but with you, okay? I I speak to you as a fellow struggler um, in all of what I'm going to talk about. So I guess just, I guess I'm going to just launch with this, internet pornography um, isn't a secret game or a secret pastime of weak-willed men anymore. I remember when internet pornography was very underground and very secret. It's not that way anymore. It has actually become an open, almost normal and accepted activity of not just men, but women and children of all ages worldwide. And as a result, we are seeing the rise of sex trafficking, rape, and all forms of horrible sex abuse All of that's on the rise, and we're experiencing also this whole thing of gender confusion and experimentation at every level, everywhere, wide out in the open. And it's becoming this thing, it's becoming normal. I mean, we're seeing it more and more being portrayed to us as this is is reality and this is normal, and you've got to be okay with this. I read this week that the average child, the average age of a child who views pornography for the first time is eight years old. I remember when I was raising my kids, we were reading books. You guys remember that? You're like, you're reading, I got I to know about my kids, and my kids are starting to become teenagers. And I remember reading back then 
that if you haven't spoken to your son about pornography, by the time he's 12, you've already, you're already too late. Well, now it's eight, evidently. Eight years old. Bible prophecy is being fulfilled right before our very eyes, right now, in our world today. Scriptures are clear that there will be terrible times in the last days that evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse. You remember the days of Sodom and Gomorrah? Remember that story? So much evil, wicked, sexual activity going on in those cities that God says, I'm gonna burn it up with fire. Well, let's just go, let's go to this. There was a time in the history of mankind when God created the heavens and the earth and he put man in the middle of this beautiful thing that he called good. And over time, after the sin of man entered into the world, things got so bad, the Bible says that every day, every moment of every day, men were doing wicked continuously And every person was doing what was right in their own eyes. And God said, all right, this is, what, this is not what I had planned. I'm gonna take care of this. And he wipes the whole world out. I think I'm gonna start over. You know what's really scary? Oh, my word. You should see the looks on your faces right now. Um, you know what? I'm kind of glad that I'm not online today. I feel, I feel more relaxed. I don't know why. I love the fact that God's giving us a platform, but it kind of feels like it's just the family here today. Uh, and we're just talking. But you should see the looks on your faces. I've already got you so depressed. I talked to one sister who hasn't been here in a while, and I'm like, well, you picked the wrong Sunday to come back. <laughs> the part that's really scary is that this thing that we're going to talk about today of sexual impurity um, is running loose in the church. I have some statistics that I don't even want to share with you. This is what made me weep this week. Because, you know, there's these groups out there that do studies on churches and on Christians. So this is a study on, about Christians. They actually survey people, and this is what people, the people who admitted to this, these are their statistics. You want to hear them? Yeah. I mean, it's going to depress you, so just hang on, Okay. These are the current stats among Christians. Over 70%, over 70% of Christian men have admitted to actively viewing or are addicted to pornography. Over 30% of Christian women surveyed admitted to actively viewing or being addicted to pornography.
60% of pastors have admitted to actively viewing or being addicted to pornography and 70% of youth pastors. Do you realize, if this is true, do you realize the degree of crisis that we find ourselves in the church? If this is true, if even a a percentage of this is true, we're in big trouble. Because I don't even want to tell you what I want, what I have in my notes to say next. Hang on to somebody next to you right now, okay? Just hang on to them, because if this is true, that means that roughly 50%, if you average those numbers out, roughly 50% of everybody sitting in this room is actively participating in viewing or addicted to pornography, internet pornography. And if that's true, this is where my brain goes, that means that half of those watching our children right now How many want to get up and run? Those that are leading our youth group, half of those who greeted you this morning on your way in, half of those who are the wonderful men and women who are leading our life groups and shepherding our families in this church, and half of those serving on our leadership councils and preaching from this pulpit could be losing this secret battle with purity or impurity. I wonder, okay, let's just take a deep breath right now. Everybody take a deep breath. Um, I need to take a deep breath. I wonder what we would do as a church. Okay, like if, let's, let's say that we heard, we got wind that there was an application to put in a pleasure land museum right across the street on 17, what do you think we as a church would do? What would we do? We'd, we'd say, ah, no. Okay, look, okay, get that off, get off of that. What would you do if they were gonna put a pleasure land museum right across the street from your house? Right in your neighborhood, they thought, here's a good idea. We can get more business if we start putting pleasure land museums in neighborhoods. And one's coming in right across your, the street from your house, and you've got little kids or you've got teenagers, what are you going to do? You're gonna rise up, right? And say, not in my neighborhood. No way you are bringing that into my neighborhood. That's wrong, it's unhealthy. Let's just go do studies of what's happening in the neighborhoods where those are taking place right now and where wicked, evil men and women are pulling up there at all hours of the night to do who knows what in there by themselves. And rightly so. Am I okay to say that, Pastor Blodgett? Am I okay to say that it would be right for us to say no? It's not healthy. The hard truth is that most of us have invited it right into our homes. And we're actually paying their rent to be there on a monthly basis.
It's ruining our marriages. It's destroying our relationships. It's twisting the minds of future generations because somehow our children are thinking that this is somehow normal and okay and acceptable that they just, the only reason they can't do it is because their mom and dads are legalistic. Give us a break. It's damaging the body of Christ. It's grieving the heart of our holy God. And it's quenching the power of the Holy Spirit in the church. It's quenching the power of the Holy Spirit in your homes. It's quenching the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you are not being able to be all God wants you to be and has called you to be and has planned you to be because you are doing things, you're participating in things that are not okay with him. And we're going to see that today. What's troubling me is that we don't even seem shocked by it anymore. We don't even seem embarrassed by it anymore. One psychiatrist wrote this that I read this week. Many forms of sexual activity, which for centuries were considered reprehensible, immoral, and sinful anywhere, and their public exhibitions simply anathema, are now talked and written about and exhibited everywhere as normal. Billy Graham quoted a professor, a professor of sociology at Harvard, who wrote this. There has been a growing preoccupation of our writers with the social sewers, the broken homes of disloyal parents and unloved children, the bedroom of the prostitute, a den of criminals, a ward of the insane, a club of dishonest politicians, a street corner gang of teenage delinquents, a hate-laden prison, a crime-ridden waterfront, the courtroom of a dishonest judge, the sex adventures of urbanized cavemen and rapists, the loves of adulterers and fornicators, of masochists, sadists, prostitutes, mistresses, and playboys. Juicy loves, orgasms, and libidos are seductively prepared and served up with all the trimmings. That was written in the early 1900s. Is it worse today? And yet we no longer are embarrassed. We, we don't blush anymore over that kind of stuff. It's time, oh man, it's time to take a change, to make a change and it's time to do something about it. Do you agree? Amen. I mean, it's time. But it's going to take some drastic measures on many people's parts to change this downward trajectory that we see people participating in the church, in the body of Jesus Christ. And it's going to require action. And I'm just saying, okay, just prepare yourself. For some of us here today, it's going to require action today. And you already know. You already know. So stay with me, okay? Don't write me off. Maybe you already have, but if you have, come back. Um, but don't, don't miss this today. Um, we're going to seek clarity about purity, all right? And we're going to look at, at the scriptures, but 1 Corinthians 6.18 is clear on this. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee 
from sexual immorality. Run is what it means. Run away from it. Don't play around with it. Don't flirt with it. Don't saddle up next to it. Run from it. And honor God with your bodies. First Peter 1.15, Peter says, just as he who called you is holy, as God who called you is holy, he has called you, the holy, righteous God has called you out from the world. Just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. That's the call to all of us as Christians. So many of us find ourselves in a downward cycle when it comes to sexual purity. And we fall into this fail, confess, fail, confess, fail, confess, fail, 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 confess pattern. This would give me like assurance that I'm not the only one. You agree? I mean, and we fall into this pattern and, and because we're either not informed on what repentance is supposed to be and supposed to look like, or we're just weak. We fall into this downward spiral of defeat and we lose all hope that, am I ever going to be able to have victory over this? Is this just something I'm gonna have to deal with defeat the rest of my days? The answer, my friends, is no, you do not. You can have victory over sin. I'm not just talking about, this is what we're, this is the example, okay, but there are all kinds of sexual immoral sins that we can participate in. You do not have to be, you are, you have been delivered, my friends. You have no chains that have power over you. The only chains that can bind you now of sin are the chains that you put back on and latch the locks on and stand there going, I'm locked up again. Yeah, unlock them and get rid of the chains. They have no powers. Christ delivered you from all of that. You don't have to walk in that anymore. There's no power that sin has over you. We have the presence of sin and always will, and we will always be, we will always be subject to its allurement, and we will always be sucked into it. But you don't have to go there. You can have victory. And some of you are going to get victory today. Some of you are going to walk out of here in victory today. I promise. If you hear the word of the Lord. And so don't lose your sight on the theme, okay? The theme of 1 Thessalonians is hope. Hope, which is the confident expectation that there are better days ahead. We're going to talk about, Paul's going to give us great clarity on this issue, okay? We're going to talk about spiritual and uh, sexual immorality today. But the hope is that if you listen to the word of God and apply the word of God, that you can have victory and that there are better days ahead. Does anyone want to shout hallelujah to that? Hallelujah. We can have victory over our sin. And when we hear about moral failure in the church of Jesus Christ, when we realize failure in our own lives, don't we always seem to ask this question, where did that come from? Don't we always? I mean, we hear about moral failure and go, what in the world? Where did that come? That came out of left field somewhere. No, it actually didn't. That's a deception. That's an illusion. Because 
It's never sudden. Moral failure is never sudden, ever, at all. It's always slow, and it's always deliberate. But what happens is it's always running underneath the radar. It's always running underneath the surface. I read this this week. Moral failure is fashioned in the furnace of fuzzy thinking. And we live in a world of fuzzy thinking, don't we? With no moral absolutes. And when we dwell on our desires, and we live on the edge of our desires, yielding is not an if, yielding is a when. It's just a matter of time when you will yield to those desires and you'll give in to those temptations. It's just a matter of time and it's a slow downward walk to moral failure while we walk in the way of sinners and while we sit in the seat of the scornful. That's not where the blessing is. When we sit in the just this once moment, okay? Like, I'm just, just this one time. I'm just gonna do it one time. That's a lie. When we get to the, I deserve this. Now, maybe you don't, maybe that's like foreign to you, but for some of us, it's like, I deserve you know, I deserve this indulgence. No one will find out. I'm gonna, I will work this out. I will think it through and I will get away with it. Really? You, you don't believe the Bible then. You can be sure your sin will find you out. Or you know what? We'll make a deal. She'll never tell. We'll make a deal. We'll both agree. We're going to keep this a secret. Let's go confess it to the Lord and let's, we'll keep it a secret and it will never be known. No one will ever know this. Yeah. Or how about this one? I'll repent later. God's a God of grace. I've sinned before and I've come and repent. I'll just do it again and I'll repent later. Um, we need clarity about purity. And Paul's an expert on clarity, so we're going to go there today. But let me just say this, okay? Before we launch into 1 Thessalonians, you can take your Bible. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Um, my good fr friend Steve Etner and I were kind of chatting to this week, and this is what he reminded me. Um, pornography is not our problem. This is the problem. I don't have pornography on the throne of my life. I have me on the throne of my life. My desires, my will, what pleases me. This is what I have sitting on the throne of my life. This is my problem, and we need to go to work to figure out how to get me off the throne and get God on the throne and God's word on the throne so that we can be pleasing to the Lord and we can get his blessing in our lives and be used by him to make a difference in the kingdom instead of being defeated and living in defeat all the time and grieving the Holy Spirit all the time because we're sitting on the throne of our lives. So that's what we're gonna work on um, today as we look at clarity about purity. So I'm gonna read 1 Thessalonians 4. Um, one through eight, and then we're gonna break it down and apply some truths to our lives, okay? Here we go, First Thessalonians 4, one. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, 
We ask and urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to walk in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. You live this way already, and we encourage you to do so more and more, for you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. God's will is for you to be holy, that you abstain from all sexual sin, and that each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this manner, for the Lord avenges all such things as we have solemnly warned you before. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives us his Holy Spirit to you. Truth number one that we're gonna pull out of this is this. There is a walk that pleases God. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time in this. We went over these two verses, the first two verses on Mother's Day, but I just want to read them again to you as we look at the, a walk that pleases God. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask and urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to walk in a way that pleases God. There it is. As we have taught you. So they've been taught how to do this. You're living in this way already, and we encourage you to do so more and more. This is a divine imperative that Paul is giving to us. There is a way, he says, that you must walk if you want to please God, and it doesn't matter where you were in life when you experienced the transformational change of the new life in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how sexually active you were before coming to Christ or what kind of appetite you acquired due to your past or what somebody did to you when you were young. Now that you are in Jesus Christ, you are to be forsaking all of that and growing in victory in an ever-increasing fashion, moving away from the old roads you used to walk on, and now more and more walking in a way that pleases God. That's what this is talking about. He, these people live in a sex-saturated society. Every part of their life, their homes, their workplaces, their politics, and their religion was saturated with sex. And this is the culture that he's speaking to. And he's saying, listen, we taught you about this. There is a walk that you know. We taught you how to walk, and you need to be increasing in that more and more as you grow in the Lord. More and more walking in a way that pleases God. More and more putting away selfishness. More and more not being overly sensual in all that you think and all that you do. More and more not lacking in self-control. More and more getting farther and farther away from the abyss instead of seeing how close you can get without falling in. Does anybody wanna say something about that? How many of us live right on the edge? I mean, our kids are doing that. I remember doing that. I remember, you know, like, it's just gonna be, hey, look at me, look at me. How stupid. If you were in the edge of the Grand Canyon, would you want your kid going, hey, <laughs> hey, mom? What would you do, Amber? What would you do? You'd snatch that kid by his hair and jerk him away from that as fast as you could, right? And you would be like, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Don't you ever, somebody over here, some lady over here listening to you would be, ma'am, you're not supposed to speak to your child that way. You just shut up. <laughs> My kid is getting ready to fall over the edge. Well, you should just say please and thank you. No, I will not. 
And yet, we're so busy not trying not to fall off ourselves that we don't even have time to snatch our kids away. Or we're too guilty to snatch our kids away because they're watching us watch it. Right? More and more, there is a walk that pleases God, and that walk looks more like this. I don't even have to think about where I'm going. I don't have to worry about falling off because I'm over here. That's what God wants from us. More and more looking like Jesus Christ because those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old stuff is gone. The new stuff has come. And we're supposed to be living like that, living in our newness, not living in the old ways. Here's the point of clarity. Write this down. Make it a poster. Stick it on your wall. There is a walk that pleases God and every other walk doesn't. Does that make sense? There is a walk that pleases God, and every other walk doesn't. If you're not walking in the way that pleases God, then you're not walking in a way that pleases God. Make your children look at that every time they go out the door in the morning. Make it your choice to please the Lord, guys, on your way out today, because that's where the blessing is. You're not going to find the blessing not walking in the way of God. Here's the second truth. There is a clear will for every believer. Now, we're in this mode right now where college students are graduating from college. Congratulations, those of you. If you're here and you graduated, we're proud of you. But now you're going, now what? What is God's will for my life? Some of you teenagers, you know, you're like graduating from high school. Congratulations, you made it. And now you're going to go to college and you're like, what do I do now? What's my, what's my major going to be? Who am I going to marry? What's my life going to look like? What am I going to do for the rest of my life? I get asked that question all the time. Every pastor does where they come and sit down in your office and say, hey, how can I help you? Can you tell me the will of God for my life? And I'm like, absolutely. I have a divine crystal ball, and I could tell you exactly what God's will for your life is. In fact, let's start here. You believe in Jesus, right? This is a question. You believe in Jesus, right? Okay, well, Jesus said this. Jesus told you what his will for your life is. In Matthew 6, he said this, seek first my kingdom and righteousness and I'll take care of everything else. Do you trust me to take care of the rest of it? Do you trust me with your future? In fact, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your ability to figure it out. You can't figure it out. You don't know the plans God had for you way back before the foundations of the earth were laid. But he's got awesome plans for you. Don't trust in your ability to figure that out. But in all of your ways, acknowledge him, submit to him, work for him, live for him. And as you do that, he will make straight paths for your feet. You don't have to worry about your future. So I know what God's will is for you. Seek first God and his kingdom and righteousness. I don't even have to think twice about what is God's will for you. And Paul is gonna make something very clear here. There is a will for every believer. You ready? Everybody ready? Got your spiritual ears open? Here it is. Clarity, verse three, God's will is for you to be, everybody say the word, holy, or your Bible might say sanctified, and that you abstain from all sexual sin. Here's God's will for you, be holy and abstain from sexual sin. 
Now that holy sanctification is this, to be set apart. Now you've heard about progressive sanctification. Our life is supposed to be continually, like what Paul said in verse two, more and more growing in your walk with God in a way that pleases him in, in holiness, but that Excuse me, that holy sanctification is to be, you are to be set apart. You've been called out from the world and you are to be set apart or you're supposed to live differently from everybody else in the rest of the world and then you're supposed to be set apart unto God to live righteously and holy and a blameless life before him. That's what you are called to. That's God's will for you, that you be holy. That's what that means. Not living like the world anymore living more and more like God, that's God's will for you. Oh, and by the way, in case you are wondering about this, Paul says, you have to abstain from all sexual immorality. How much sexual immorality are you supposed to abstain from? Are you sure? Then what's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? Do you wanna live in God's will? <laughs> You know, one person raises their hand. You know, you think I'm tricking you. Does anybody want to live according to God's will? You know, what do you need to do to live in God's will? Clarity, what's clarity say? You got to live a holy life and abstain from all sexual activity. When it comes to sexual sin, abstinence is required. That's what's clear in the scripture that Paul wants the people in that sex culture that they lived in to understand. This is the will of God for you that you abstain from all sexual activity. Sexual immorality, sorry, sexual sin. Now here's what sexual sin is, I have it on the screen for you. Sexual immorality is any and all sexual activity and fulfillment outside the marriage bed shared by one man and one woman who are bound to each other in a holy covenant before God and man for life. I'm sure I have all the grammar and, and like punctuation, everything wrong in that great big run-on sentence. I don't really care. I'm gonna say it one more time. All right, keep it up there, guys. Sexual sin is any and all sexual activity and fulfillment outside, you get it? Anything outside the marriage bed shared by one man and one woman who are bound to each other in a holy covenant before God and man for life. Anything outside of that is called sexual immorality, which is called sexual sin, and the requirement is abstinence. All sexual sin. Anything outside of that, total abstinence. Not with another person, not by yourself, not with an animal. What? Did you just say that out loud? Actually, I didn't say that out loud. God said that out loud. Read it for yourself. You can go back to Leviticus and Exodus where God had to make a commandment, don't have sex with animals. And you're like, what? Yes. In fact, if you do, we're supposed to take you out back and stone you to death. This is how twisted men are. It is God's will that more and more, more and more, you walk in purity. And I just wanna stop here because we're going for clarity, right, about purity. And you need to know that victory and hope, victory and hope comes from biblical clarity. Victory and hope comes from biblical perspective on anything. 
When it comes to sexual sin, abstinence is required. When it comes to your own body, secondly, here we see in the passage, self-control is expected. Look at verse four and five. It is God's will that you abstain from sexual immorality and that each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God in his ways. It is expected of every child of God to stop living like godless people. That's what this is saying. This is what Paul is saying. Stop living in an uncontrolled, unrestrained, ungoverned, unprincipled in your desires way. That's what the world is all about. Stop living for yourself. Stop living for your passions and what you can get from everything and everyone else around you. That kind of living is not of God. That's what Paul is saying. This kind of living that he's talking about here is anti-Christ. And it's at the very root of sexual immorality. It's the teenager in the back seat saying, oh, baby, I love you. No, he doesn't. If he loved you, he wouldn't be doing what he's doing in the back seat of the car with you because it's not in your best interest. You're not thinking of sacrificing your desires to the betterment of that person. It's quite the opposite. You're like an animal wanting to satisfy your own selfish, lustful passion at the expense of the other person. And Paul cries out, this is not proper for God's holy people. Stop it. That's the cry of the apostle Paul. To eat like a pig, drink like a fish, and to make love like a beast all of these animalistic behaviors are not of God. Are we achieving clarity? Are you still with us up there in the balcony? Here's the third thing, and we'll wrap it up. There is a warning that should wake us up. There is a warning that should wake us up. Verse uh, 6. Never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter, for the Lord avenges all such sins as we have solemnly warned you before. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Now, I don't have time to get into all of this because there's a big discussion, there's a big study on what this, because some of you are saying, um, um, let me just back up, let me just... Let me just say it this way. Stop sinning against your brother or sister in this is what this is saying. This thing of sexual sin is not just between you and God. That person in your bed that you're sinning with, that picture you're looking at, that computer or notebook or phone version of that person, that's not your wife. That's not your husband. He or she doesn't belong to you. They are off limits for all time for you. It's not okay to borrow them and to use them for your own momentary pleasure. It's wrong to, for you to look at that. It's wrong for you to lust after that. It's wrong for you to be pleased by him or her. And here's the point that Paul says, God is the avenger of all these things. It's not innocence. Oh, I'm not hurting anybody. Yes, you are. 
And God cares about that, and he's the avenger. Who is he talking to here? Who's Paul talking to? Believers or unbelievers? Believers, okay? So he's not talking to a bunch of unbelievers saying, God's judgment's coming on you. He's talking to believers. That if we aren't careful, and we're, not, and we're doing this, and we're sinning against our brothers and sisters in this way, God, the Lord, avenges these sins. Colossians 3, 6 to 8, look at it on the screen. Because of these things that we're talking about, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in your life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, declares the Lord. You do understand, we've said it over and over here, blessings chase the righteous, curses chase the wicked. Decide, what do you want chasing you? You won't get away with sinning against your fellow man in this way, Paul says. And by the way, you aren't just sinning against your own brother or sister, you're sinning against your own body. 1 Corinthians 6, 8 says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Can I read you this? This is so powerful. I wish I had more time to just dive into this. Billy Graham spoke on this once, and this is a quote from him. In every area of our social life, we see operating the inevitable law of diminishing returns in our obsession with sex. You need to go home and talk to your children about what the law of diminishing returns is all about. And here it is. Many do something for a thrill only to find the next time that they must increase the dose to produce the same thrill. As the kick wears off, they are driven to look for new means for different experiences to produce a comparable kick. The sex glutton is tormented by feelings of guilt and remorse. His mode of living is saturated with intense strain, unnatural emotions, and inner conflicts. His personality is thwarted in its search for development. His passions are out of control, and the end result is frustration. In his defiance of God's law and societal's norm, he puts a death-dealing tension on his soul. His search for new thrills, for new kicks, for exciting experiences keeps him in the grip of fear, insecurity, doubt, and futility, and he often ends by becoming a psychoneurotic or suicide. We're actually hearing about that in the news right now about children who are messed up about their sexual identity. God has not called us to this, my friends. He hasn't called us to impurity, but to holiness. Holiness is the very everyday business of every Christian. It evidences itself in the decisions we make and the things we do hour by hour, day by day. And brothers and sisters, we have got to get this matter settled. What are you willing to do to achieve God's will for your life in this matter? To what degree are you willing to go? How far will you go to fix it today? Some of you are like, you know, some of you guys are like, hey, babe, I've got it. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm going to get I'm on top of it. And they, she sees you, you know, getting ready. And you get out your hammer. And you're like, I'm working on it, babe. I'm going to live a righteous life.
Can you hear me? I'm going at it. You're doing nothing. You're playing around and you think you're deceiving everybody. Is this serious work? Or is this serious work? Which one is serious? What does God want you to do? Take the little baby hammer to it? I'll work on it. Or take the sledgehammer to it? What does he want you to do? Is this usable anymore? Okay, so now what? That was $300. A good spent of expensive money right there. That's good, good God's money spent right there destroying that. If, if you're in failure, who cares how much it costs? Get rid of it. Do something drastic to it. Change your ways and do it today. That's the awesome thing about God is that you can just do it today. Are we achieving clarity? Some of you might say, you've gone too far, Phil, and you've meddled too deep today. Well, if that's the case, you need to read verse 8 as I close. Anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives you his Holy Spirit. It's time to make the choice. Some of you just need to make the choice today. If you need to break away from some secret and implicit sexual activity, do it today. Some of you are going to be tempted to go, I'm just going to jump in the sack one more time. God already knows I'm failed. I'm going to do it one more time, and then I'll confess. That is wrong. There is no blessing in that. God will not honor that. He's talking to you today, right now. And the Bible says, if today you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Make the choice today. Forsake the sin today. Turn from it. Confess it. Don't wait till tomorrow. If you have started flirting with sexual temptation and you're just getting started and you're warming yourself up, pull your foot back from the edge before it's too late. You might be like, I've wrestled with this my whole life and I need help. And if you need counseling, if you're neck deep in it and you can't get it done on your own and you've proven that, then humble yourself, my friends, and reach out for the lifeline. Whatever it is, do it today. Don't indulge a little bit more. Don't get into this, I'll just eat one more donut. Just be done with it today. I need to speak into this, and then I'm done. You might... You might be helpless, I mean literally helpless in this matter, and hopeless. You feel powerless to change anything in your life, and you've tried. Could it be that you're not saved? 
Could it be that the reason you're completely powerless against your sin and you know it's wrong because you don't have the Holy Spirit's power inside of you? That's what we receive when we get saved. We get the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit helps us. He rebukes us and he, can, he, he convicts us and he gives us the strength to overcome. And maybe, maybe you're helpless and hopeless because you don't have the hope of Jesus Christ. And I just wanna say, if that's the case for you, today is the day of salvation for you. And if you hear his voice today, don't harden your heart. Repent of your sin, humble yourself, repent of all your sins, come to the Lord Jesus Christ and you can be saved. And then you can walk in newness and you can walk in victory today because when you come to God, and by the way, this is for all of God's children too. When you come to God and you confess, you don't have to do a checklist after that. In fact, you don't get set in the probationary period. When you come and confess before the Lord, he says, I will remove your sins. Cast them as far as the east is from the west. I'll remember them against you no more. Now get moving and get growing more and more to be like Jesus Christ. So for all of us, any of us can confess our sin today and walk away in newness and walk in victory because holiness begins with repentance at the cross of Jesus. you stand with me? And I'm going to end with this quote from Jonathan Edwards. <clears throat> I want you to know as your pastor, as one of your pastors, I am resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Anybody with me on that? Are you with me on that? I'm gonna pray, but before I do, I just wanna make these um, available. All these books that I'm gonna, I'm gonna suggest to you, I have read, and some of them I've read multiple times and have been a huge help to me in my journey of purity. The first is by Randy Alcorn, The Purity Principle. This is just an easy book to read. It's an introductory book on purity. Um, I would encourage anybody to get this and read this. I think we have, I don't remember how many we have, 10 to 15 of these at the connection point. You can stop by there and get one, or you can go online and get it. This is an amazing book, Every Man's Battle by Steve um, Arterburn. It's a, this is really good for women. Well, it's every man's battle. I know, you women need to know what every man battles with. And this is a really good, this will open your eyes to the struggle that your husbands are having or your men are having. This one has changed my life completely. I really wanna change, uh, so help me God, by James McDonald. I have actually purpose, personally gone through this three or four times just myself. As a, it's a Bible study book, um, and I've taken many groups of men through it, um, and a lot of victory has been had through that. And then um, Steve Etner, sitting right there, has written this book, Extreme Mind Makeover, How to Transform Sinful Thoughts and Habits into God-Pleasing Patterns. Great book for you to get all these you can get online. Do something, get it done, get reading, get in the word, get help, get counsel. Whatever you do, do it. Whatever you need to do, do it. And don't wait. Because the time is coming when God's warriors, men and women, are gonna need to rise up like never before and we need to do it in purity. Just think, just think. I know I'm way over time, but they're not online with us anymore. Are they online? They are, somebody said, they are. Welcome. <laughs> We've just been having a great time here this morning.
Listen to me, just listen. If everything I said at the beginning is true, and at 50% of everybody in the church, if every one of those 50 percenters confessed and changed and turned it around, just think of the power of the Holy Spirit of God that would be released into the world and into the church. Because when we're living like this in defeat, we're quenching the Holy Spirit's power. We're grieving him, but we're quenching his power. Just think how much power would go out from the church if all of us were living according to God's, wor- uh, God's will in our lives. So let's go out and do it, all right, and release the power of the Holy Spirit out into the world. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters, and I pray for myself, and I pray that you will strengthen us in in, in our resolve to go out this day living according to your will, abstaining from sexual activity, all sexual activity outside of marriage, and all, all sexual immorality, that we would abstain from all of it, Lord, that we would go out from this place putting you on the throne of our lives and getting ourselves off the throne so that you, through your power of your Holy Spirit, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, can go out into, out through us into our world. And I pray this in Jesus' powerful name, amen. God bless you. We're always up here to help in any way we can. Our prayer team is up here to receive you. Anything you'd like to pray about. But let's go in the power of the Lord in victory. Thank you so much for joining us for this morning's online service. Our hope is that it ministered to your heart deeply, and we pray that it inspires you to love God, love people, and influence our world with the gospel of Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today, or you'd like prayer in your life, we'd invite you to fill out an online connection card by clicking on the link. If you haven't downloaded our church app yet, now's a great time. It has tons of resources and opportunities that you can take advantage of. Finally, you can check out our website, fbclcart.org, to stay connected with us. We hope you have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you right back here next week, same time.